You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Welcome back to a special edition of the MHR Radio Podcast on this New Year's Eve morning. Adam. Yo. Has Vance Joseph been fired? Ian, I can finally confirm that it has happened. You will never have to ask me that question again. Vance Joseph has been let go by the Denver Broncos organization. I I tell you what, I almost said thank the seven gods, but I don't know which seven to thank. And this is just... Uh, the the weight off of our shoulders is kind of ridiculous, right? It is. And we don't want to celebrate a man losing his job, but yes, was we just do. Out of his, he was just out of his element the entire time he was here. He was in over his head. He didn't know what he was doing. He didn't grow. He didn't learn. He didn't improve. And there is a standard for this organization. And you have to win and compete for Super Bowls. And if you don't, you lose your job. And it should have happened a year ago, but at least Elway didn't sleep on it and change his mind. Yeah, I think the biggest concern for for most Broncos fans is is what happened last year. You know, he, we all thought, all right, well, that's it. That guy was uh, not good. We're moving on. And then you wake up the next day, and it's like, no, I slept on it, and I changed my mind. Now, we all know that that's not actually what happened. Um, what, what Elway was sleeping on was really, do I want to go with, you know, an extensive search that doesn't include Mike Shanahan, or do I want to just get a new quarterback and stick with Vance Joseph because that's the mandate that's been handed to me? And, you know, that's that's why we ended up with a second year of Vance Joseph. Now now the, the process begins, right? We can recap all of the, the terrible things and, the, and the, the, the memes and the gifts. And, I mean, let's face it, there are some things we're going to miss about Vance Joseph. Shirts. They're, they're not going to have any cool shirts anymore. Memes. Great memes, great memes that you can use. His, his his facial expressions of coaches out there. I think Vance Joseph maybe is in the top two or three of of facial expression head coaches. Um, and, and you know the gifts and the memes have been fantastic. They've been phenomenal. But the things we won't miss are the the bad decisions in games. Right? They're gonna. They're, I think they'll still have good practices. I'm not worried about that. But the bad decisions in games, the the decision to, um, you know, it just there's so so many. Where do I start, Ian? I mean, they had, he had Bill O'Brien calling him a, a dumb guy at the end of the half when you're you know when when your own opponents are are thanking you for your stupidity. You know, there's a problem. And so, knowing now that they're going to move forward, it, it feels better. But I also think it brings in a little trepidation because we know about the concerns at the top of the organization. And those concerns at the top of the organization make me nervous when it comes to looking for a new head coach. Am I? Am I? Is it legitimate for me to say that? 
you're absolutely legitimate to say that and you're right on to say that because that's what's held this team back you you can probably count four to five wins that Vance Joseph cost this team because of his poor game management time management situational football it's it, it became it became a huge issue for this team and it became something that held it back and what will be interesting to see is who they bring in we've already gotten some word on who who they want to interview and we can get in that in a little bit but yes to answer your question you're you're spot on because the players can only do so much and we touched on this a couple of times how when the broncos were on that three-game winning streak and at least put themselves in the discussion for the afc playoffs it was because of despite vance joseph and his coaching staff and when they lost it was because they couldn't overcome it yeah i I mean it's interesting that we we are now sitting here and and we're going to be able to watch the process and and hopefully they can find some and i think that the direction that they go will say a lot about what you know what their desire is as far as a direction that they want the franchise to go because i think the one thing that you and i have talked about a lot we're not the only ones is this notion that the the broncos are a, a directionless uh franchise we don't know what they're trying to do and and vance joseph was a big part of that and and yes there's the business side and, and then there's the you know the team side and it becomes frustrating when there's no identity and and Vance Joseph was really the identity of the Broncos for the last few years and the identity was was one of ineptitude and it continued from last year into this year to the point where it just it couldn't be accepted and the the other thing I'll point to and I think this gets missed a little bit everybody talks about how much the the players loved Vance Joseph and that's great but there were games where and you don't have to go much further back than the Monday night game against the Raiders, but it's it's just the latest example of games where the Broncos should have won. Talent-wise, they were the best team on the field. And instead of coming out and, and just blasting the Raiders on Monday night football, they came out and looked they looked like a, a college team. They looked like a group of guys that didn't care. They looked like I mean, pick your pick your metaphor, pick your pick your simile if you'd like. But they looked bad in games that they never should have looked bad in. You, you go back to the Jets. Think about what the Jets did to the Denver Broncos this year. And that seems like or feels like forever ago. But the Jets ran roughshod all over the Denver Broncos. Now, I understand Vance Joseph doesn't go out and play the game. He's not on the field. But Vance Joseph is the one who gets his team prepared, has his team ready to go, has his team fired up. And the, the games that they lost because of his ineptitude are bad. They are damning games, right? Those are the games that make you look at what he what his resume is and go, well, they should have won they should have won four or five games like you said this season, but for his ineptitude. But the games that make me the most angry are the ones where the guys just didn't even show up and they got blown out by teams that never should have been anywhere near them. And it all started, and I think we, I think you might agree with me on this, it all started in that Buffalo Bills game last season, 2017, 
when they went from being a team that everyone was afraid of to a team that no one was afraid of. And now the search begins for a new head coach. And I think, as I wrote in my column, as an instant reaction to the news of Joseph being fired, it amps the heat up on Joe Ellis and John Elway, particularly John Elway, because he was the one who hired Vance Joseph. So he has to nail this next hire. He really does. Because this is his third head coach in three years. And I think it needs to amp up on Joe Ellis because we've touched on the fact that nothing speaks volumes louder than the fact that he can't get a corporate sponsor on that stadium. So think of the money that they're missing out on because they can't get somebody to sponsor the stadium. That's money to keep the stadium up to date to do renovations to to make sure that it's a great experience for the fans that's money they're missing out on and taylor koth is going to have a story on this later in the week on mile high report so keep an eye on that and he'll get into more specifics but there's no one to hold joe ellis accountable because he's the de facto owner i mean with no leadership at the top This is an organization that seems to be down a path. No one knows where it's going. I mean, the 2018 draft was great. They have a lot of, there's a lot of excitement and hope from, from that crop of players. And the Broncos are going to have a ton of money in free agency. And hopefully they can build over what they did in the 2018 draft or 2017 draft, or I guess it would be the 2018 draft to the 2019 draft. So they can have back-to-back strong classes that bring in young talent that contributes. And it's not to say that all the young guys were stellar. Cortland Sutton suffered from Demarius Thomas-esque drops, but Get get a good coaching staff in here to to build on what they were able to do as rookies, but it just seems like until this ownership scenario gets played out, that nothing's really going to change because there's no one to hold them accountable. There's no one to provide leadership. There's no one to tell them no. Yeah, and that actually sort of leads us into the – the concerns with the hiring process here. And I don't know that any of us really know what the Broncos are going to be looking for. Like what is John Elway going to go out and, and try and, and, and find and bring in as his head coach. And I think that it's interesting. I'm, I'm fairly certain that it won't be Mike Shanahan. I don't think anybody here is, is going to, is thinks that that's going to happen because of the rift between Shanahan and Ellis, because that's where it seems to be a problem. But do they want an experienced coach? Do they want somebody who can come in and stabilize, who can come in and and you know sort of make things run smoothly, work properly, or are they going to go find an, 
innovative offensive mind and bring in some experienced coordinators around that. The the questions out there are, are really, what is John Elway going to be able to do? What is what is Joe Ellis going to allow? Because like you said, he's the de facto owner of the franchise right now. He's the one who is really at the top of everything. And and I, I don't know about you, but that actually that actually terrifies me as a fan because I don't think that Joe Ellis has the same makeup of Pat Bolin. And I don't think that Joe Ellis has the ability to say to the franchise, this is what's acceptable, this is what I want, this is what we're going to do, because it's not really his team. Being the de facto owner is like being... Uh, you know, Prince John in, in Robin Hood. You're not really the, you're not really the king. The king is off fighting in a crusade. You're just sitting on his chair. Nobody believes you. Nobody wants you. You just stepped in. And he he took that for himself. And that's the way it seems. The more we move forward, the more it seems as if Joe Ellis has sort of finagled his way into whether it was legal or illegal or, or should have happened or shouldn't have happened. That's not my job. But he has finagled his way into the de facto ownership role, which really means all of these problems fall on his shoulders. Am I right? Absolutely, because he's the one at the top. With no one at the top, he's the one at the top. And I think the Prince John reference is perfect because Prince John was the man at the top, but he really wasn't the man at the top. He was just keeping his seat warm, which is basically what Joe Ellis is doing until this whole fiasco gets worked out. Is it true that we call it the John because of Prince John? Like, I'm going to go to the John. Is that, have you ever heard that? I heard it from Robin Hood Men in Tights, so it must be true. It's got to be true, right? Thank you, Mel Brooks. (laughs) Sorry, little aside there. It's, look, it's early. We don't usually record this early in the morning. I'm trying to get my coffee in me to get me sort of situated here. It's 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 taken a moment. So you touched on it a little bit about where Elway will look. And Vic Lombardi had a very interesting tweet. It was a quote tweet of Adam Schefter saying that the Broncos requested permission to interview former Titans head coach and Steelers offensive line coach Mike Munchak. Vic Lombardi's tweet was, the hire will be someone with prior head coaching experience. Okay. What makes that interesting is if it's a guy like Mike Munchak, no thank you. (laughs) I mean, I would rather have a guy like Chuck Pagano than Mike Munchak. You haven't said it. You haven't said any names that I like. I, I mean, it's clear Mike McCarthy won't be. I don't think he's. I think he's going to very. I think he's going to be the head coach of the Browns. I, I would be the head coach of the Browns if you put. That's another thing. Let me just point this out. Mike McCarthy right now really does have his pick of the litter, if you will, and he's going to take the Browns' job because the Browns have something that none of these other teams really have. They have quarterback. If you put the Denver Broncos and the, and the Cleveland Browns next to each other and you said choose, and you looked at that roster, for the most part, I think the Broncos roster competes, right? It's, um, I think the, the defense is better, probably talent-wise pretty similar. I think offensive talent-wise, 
better for the Broncos? It's the quarterback, people. It's the quarterback. All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So the other name that will continue to get mentioned until it gets not mentioned is John Harbaugh. And for that to happen, it would have to be a trade similar to what the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did with John Gruden in 2002, 2003. I mentioned Chuck Pagano. There's Jim Schwartz. The other name that's been already confirmed from uh, multiple people is uh, Patriots, Patriots defensive coordinator Brian Flores. The Broncos have requested an interview with him. But I'm I'm more along the lines of Woody Page. They wouldn't really hire another Patriots no. coordinator, would they? It doesn't it doesn't feel right. Just another person to come in and sabotage the franchise. Not that it needs to be sabotaged much further further than it's already been sabotaged. But if if Vic Lombardi is right, then that would mean that Brian Flores is just an interview, which probably just means it's for the Rooney rule. That's an interesting one. I don't. I don't necessarily care about the Rooney Rule. I know that that's something that they do, and and I, I guess what what the Rooney Rule is there for is a good thing. I like it, but my my question about that is, and and it's really more of a just a the rules of the Rooney Rule question. If they have a minority head coach already in place, do they have to bring in minority candidates? And I suppose. I suppose it would be nice if they did. Front door. So, I I don't know what what is the rule on that. And I'm not sure what it is. I don't know if you have a current minority head coach. If you still have to interview minority candidates, I'm not sure about that. I think it's a good process just to interview the best people, regardless. And if Brian Flores is is a worthy candidate, and it seems like he is, since multiple people have requested an interview with him, then I'm all for it. But I, I'm not sure on the specific rule on that. I'm I'm more interested to see on the names that come out as we get further along. And there's another name, and it was in our Mile High Report Slack, and I think there is already a comment in my column about it, Adam Gase, who was relieved of his duties with the Miami Dolphins. And I get that there's a connection there, but how much of what he is known for is because of Peyton Manning. Right. Didn't we already try this with Mike McCoy? Wasn't that sort of why he was brought back as the OC? And then it didn't work out because... He wasn't actually good as an offensive coordinator. He just had Peyton Manning. And you can talk about Tim Tebow all you want, but but what really stood out about Mike McCoy was his time with Peyton Manning that one year or whatever. And then I think same thing with Adam Gase. I, I don't know. To me, he's just kind of – he's just a name. Name recognition maybe isn't the most important, although there are definitely names out there that would be nice to see in Denver. Um, do you have a wish list? I think if I'm putting it together, I, I would keep open the talks with John Harbaugh 
I mean, I get that the, the starting point is two first round picks, but that's the Ravens starting point. That's not going to be what Elway would deal. So let's not get too bent out of shape about the asking price. Cause that can be negotiated down. And Benjamin Albright said that top of the list option a is still John Harbaugh. I think with him, it, it opens up so many possibilities for what you can do with your offensive coordinator. You can have Gary Kubiak if if you want, since he is big on Case Keenum and you have one more year of Case Keenum. And Joe, Joe Flacco had his best offensive season with Gary Kubiak as his offensive coordinator in Baltimore the year before Kubiak became the head coach of the Broncos. Maybe they could go with Joe Flacco as a guy to – Take the take the spot of Case Keenum, um, or you could go. And I've I've mentioned this before. An experienced veteran head coach like John Harbaugh allows you to get one of those young whippersnapper, up and coming, tuned in offensive coordinators that John Elway wants. It can be a Cliff Kingsbury or uh, one of the. I think it was his offensive coordinator at Texas Tech. You could get. Uh, a young offensive coordinator on uh, Sean McVay's staff, um, maybe convince Matt LaFleur to come over from Tennessee. I mean, it, it just – a veteran head coach opens up so many possibilities for what you can do with your offense. I think after Harbaugh, I, I think Dave Tobe has to be on the list because he was a finalist the last time the Broncos went through this process. And you know he's coming from the Andy Reid coaching tree, and we've touched on the Andy Reid coaching tree, especially the last two head coaches to come from his staff and the success they've had. And I think that also means that Eric Bieniemy should be on the list, at least to be interviewed. But Dave Tobe, I think, would be on the list. Uh, Matt LaFleur, I mentioned from Tennessee, but if they're going to go with 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 people who have been head coaches before, the names out there aren't sexy, but neither was John Fox when he was hired in 2011. Ooh. You know, John Fox is available. <laughs> I think that bridge has been burned. Maybe, maybe... Maybe it was, I think it was blown up first, and then they burned all the water and put oil in the water that was going under it uh, and lit it on fire, and I think that's, that's not a possibility. No, it's interesting that you, you know, there are so many names out, so many possibilities. I think that's really, you know, for the next however many weeks this takes, um, names are going to get kicked around, and speculation abound, right? We talked about how we were on the speculation season. What will be what will be the time frame you think for this hire? Because it's that's kind of a an important thing. You need to get a coach in quickly, right? Because you want to start um, doing some draft evaluation with the new head coach, making sure you know the direction that the franchise is going, considering they've not been going in any direction for the last few years. Uh, and starting to make some decisions on on players that they want to target in free agency. So I would think they would want this to happen quickly. You mentioned John Harbaugh. He's a, he's in the playoffs. So 
how long are they willing to wait? And how long are they willing to wait for a guy that the trade might not happen? So let's not, you almost just can't even wait for that, right? You can't sit there and you can't sit back. You've got to start moving forward as a franchise. Exactly. So that opens up my question to you in reverse. Who's on your wish list? Ah, you know, I actually tweeted out, um, it was a couple of weeks ago now, a week ago, maybe something. I, I actually like the idea of bringing in an Eric Bieniemy, uh type. I and mean, we talked about that. I thought that he would be, that's kind of goes in the, you know, sort of that same vein of those up and coming offensive coordinators. I'm not sure how much time he really had as an OC that would make him a viable head coaching candidate. Uh, I know some people would be turned off by going and getting a, a former, you know, University of Colorado player, but uh, he was good at CU, whereas Vance Joseph was not. Um, I I like the idea of a veteran head coach. I would be fine with them figuring out a way to get John Harbaugh in. I think that he's probably at the top of my list if it's the right price. If the you know if it's not two first rounders, but instead maybe a second rounder in this year's draft because that they do have that top ten pick. And then a first rounder in next year's draft, which we would hope would be a, a, a much, you know, a much higher or a lower pick. Higher, lower, the number's higher, the pick is lower. It's always confusing to me. You know, somewhere in the 20s would be my guess if they brought in John Harbaugh. Um, at least that would be the hope. Although, who knows with Case Keenum as your quarterback where that franchise is going to go. If you're looking at going outside and going and, and bringing guys in, I think that. Your idea of a, of a veteran head coach and an OC like a Cliff Kingsbury, I think, would be a, an interesting one. Cliff Kingsbury has his connections to, to Case Keenum. I don't think he's a head coach, but I think if you brought in somebody who would be willing to, to hire him as an offensive coordinator, you could, see, uh, you could see the two of them actually grow a little bit together, and that might be the best thing for Case Keenum because, let's face it, we're stuck with him for at least another year as our quarterback. Um What's interesting about Cliff Kingsbury is he also drafted Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes, or not drafted, recruited. He recruited them. Yeah, he was there. He was he he has he has an eye for some talent, right? I, I don't think Case Keenum is necessarily um, somebody that we would go, oh, Cliff Kingsbury worked with Case Keenum, and Ke-, you know Case Keenum's not that talent, but Baker Mayfield is, Patrick Mahomes is, and and just an aside there, Patrick Mahomes is going to be a problem for the Broncos for the next 10 to 12 years at minimum. And that kind of sucks. Um, but you, I think, I think that's a, you make a good point there. You need to bring somebody in as a franchise. If the Broncos are going to do anything, the most important thing that they can do right now is bring in somebody who can evaluate talent and get a good quarterback, find somebody who can be a quarterback. And I'll go back to my tweet that I, that I tweeted out the other day, yesterday, actually, it doesn't have to be if you're smart about it. It doesn't have to be the you know the like last year's draft where there were you know potentially five or six starting quarterbacks in that draft. Patrick Mahomes wasn't considered that. Mitch Trubisky wasn't really considered that by anybody but the Bears. So you know you can you can see where jumping up and and and. Going for one of these top guys, sure, I, I understand that, but it's more about finding somebody who you're willing to get behind, finding a, a quarterback who you are going to say, okay, we're going to push all our chips in on this guy, and if it works, we're, we're the better for it, and if it doesn't, we'll move on. And that was the mistake that we talked about ad nauseum when it came to 
Paxton Lynch. They drafted a guy and then never put their chips in the middle. And if you're going to do that, if you're going to draft a guy in the first round and then never push your chips in on him, then it's never going to count and it's never going to be successful. So they need to bring in a head coach that is willing to bring in a, a young quarterback, draft a quarterback, grow with the quarterback, and push all their chips in the middle with the quarterback. And maybe, just maybe, the Denver Broncos will go through two or three years of growing pains with this quarterback. But in, in the long run, it could work out. I'm not saying that's what would have happened with Paxton Lynch. I think he proved pretty pretty handily that once his psyche was broken, he was broken. He was never going to be successful again. But they could do it right this time. But you've got to have the right, right head coach. I honestly don't know who that would be other than a guy who has experience in the NFL, who can, who can sort of hang his hat on his laurels and say, look, I have done it. And, and John Harbaugh might be the only guy that can do that. Now, I don't know. I don't think the Broncos are going to hire John Harbaugh. I don't think they're going to trade for him. I, I think that that's out. But there has to be another successful head coach out there, a successful candidate who they could bring in that could say, okay, we're going to draft a kid and we're going to build around him and he's going to be the future of our franchise, even if he sits behind Case Keenum for one year, which then makes Case Keenum not a bridge to nowhere, but a bridge to the future. And, and I would hope that that's what happens. And honestly, now that I, as I'm sitting here talking about it, the only guy that I can think of out there, and maybe it's just because of my, you know, sort of tunnel vision right now at, you know, this early hour in the morning, is really Mike Shanahan. He's the only guy I can think of, other than John Harbaugh, who you could bring in that you could say, okay, you get the franchise, go for it. And it would work. Otherwise, I can't think of anybody you could bring in that that you could really do that with. I mean, I know Sean McVay did it with Jared Goff, but wasn't Jared Goff like a top two pick? It was sort of a, a no-brainer pick right there. That's not what the Broncos have going into this draft. Whatever Elway and the Broncos do, it needs to be an exhaustive process. They I'm need... exhausted right now. <laughs> We've been exhausted the last two years. <laughs> But they need they basically need to look on, under every rock. Whatever possibility is out there, they need to look into it. And I think Shanahan needs to be a part of that because you're incredibly limited with the experienced head coaches and what they've accomplished. I think one name that's interesting is Jim Schwartz. And it's not so much because of what he did in Detroit. It's because of who he's been working under the last two seasons, namely Doug Peterson. Because I look at what Frank Reich has accomplished in Indianapolis. As the, as the offensive coordinator for Doug Peterson, to see what they've been able to accomplish in Indianapolis and how bad they were last season. They're now a sixth seed in the playoffs. They, they got their coach after Josh McDaniels shunned them. But I think it actually turned out better for them. Yeah. So what you do is you, you, you take the model of the Colts. You find your head coach. 
and you fix the areas that you need to fix because that offensive line was a mess. Right. And they went all in to fix that offensive line. And they that's did. Been the biggest issue. But they also got back Andrew Luck. I'm not. I'm not sure that I'm. I'm. I see where you're going with it, and I can kind of agree. But I also think the one thing that happened there for Frank Reich was. Andrew Luck came back and his arm was magically repaired by those European doctors with their fancy medicines and surgeries and whatnot. Whatever it was that that they, whatever magic ointment they rubbed all over him, he's better now, which is great. But Frank Reich inherited a team that was terrible, except for they did have Andrew Luck come back, which, I, I mean, not to steal a phrase here, but Andrew Luck is not walking through that door. Andrew Luck is not going to be the Broncos quarterback next season the Broncos quarterback next season is still for all intents and purposes Case Keenum so I get where you're going with it and I I think that what you're saying is is legitimate and I think that I can I can agree with that to a point but I'm not going to give Frank Reich all the credit because not everybody who inherits a team also inherits Andrew Luck as the quarterback that is I think making that offensive line look a little bit better Yeah, I my whole idea behind this is that don't make any judgments on head coaches because it it needs to be an exhaustive process. And the fact that they're looking at Mike Munchak is fine. Look at him. Give him the give him the ability to interview. Maybe he'll come away having worked with Mike Tomlin, being a head coach before, having played in the league. Maybe this is he's gotten he's gotten wiser to what he did wrong in Tennessee, and that has to be the key question that Elway asks of Mike Munchak is, okay, what didn't go right in Tennessee? Why did you not succeed? Why did you fail as a head coach in Tennessee? And what makes you think that I should give you a chance to lead this organization now? And for any head coach who any head coaching candidate, Elway interviews, that needs to be the key question he asks them. Why did you fail in your previous job? And why should I give you a chance now? Given your track record isn't exactly strong. Yeah, I like that. I think it's important. I, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna learn a lot over the next you know, over the next few days and weeks, and, and I think we're gonna sort of discover what direction the franchise wants to go. I almost feel like there's two paths here, right? And the Broncos are going to select their path based on um, the way some of these interviews go and the way some of the things sort of fall in the in the postseason. If uh, the, the Ravens are to lose in the first round of the playoffs, then I think that John Harbaugh is in play a little bit more. I think that, that puts him in play a little more, and they may try to, to make that trade. But if the Ravens continue to win, which they could with that defense, they have a very good defense right now, it gets harder and harder to wait, right? You don't want to have to wait for too long. And the further they go, the less likely they are to get, you know, to, to make a trade. So I think that what we're going to see over the next few days and weeks is, is really um, the two options that the Broncos really have in front of them, veteran head coach, bringing a new guy, and what they decide they want to do and how they want to how they want to approach things. And and perhaps we'll get a little lesson in, in what direction the franchise is gonna go. 
And that's the biggest thing is it, it, it just, it needs to be a, not a drawn out process, but exhaustive. Just look at any, any and every candidate that you possibly can. And I, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out because I, I like I said at the beginning of the podcast, the, the heat is now up on Ellis and John Elway. And Elway needs to get this higher right. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.